Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Now, we can't help but notice, in this age of common threads and polarization, it's an awful lot easier to know we're supposed to love each other than it is to actually love each other. Our great friend, Pastor Adam Weber, says he's found himself there before in a big way, but God's put so many people in his life that have shown him what love really looks like. And now, Adam is sharing their stories and giving us all refreshing hope. Pastor Adam leads Embrace Church with multiple campuses in South Dakota and Minnesota and authors the brand new book, Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. It is coming on August the 25th, but you can pre-order now wherever fine books are sold. My friend, what a treat to have you back. Appearance number three on Faith Radio's On the Road. How are you, sir? Oh, it's it's a two-way street. I'm doing so well. Grateful for the time with you, Ryan. I'm grateful for just your ministry and just the lives that you've impacted. It's it's truly awesome to think about. It's just such a blessing to be able. I think I've said to you before, actually, all the times that I quote Pastor Adam on the radio, I do owe him some type of a royalty situation, which oh, I've never actually gosh. come through on. Oh, my goodness. Furthest, furthest thing from it. Uh, one of the things I appreciate about you before we get into this, I, you're a joy spreader. And, it, and that's something that's impossible to miss, whether you're with you actually physically in your presence or just listening online or on the radio. It's, it's, you're a joy spreader, Ryan, and I just appreciate you. Thank you so much, my friend, uh, and God bless you. And this congratulations on the project. I mean, a project like this is just brimming with hope, obviously. But one of the things that's fascinating about it is you've said that it started from a place when you started writing about two years ago where you've said you just felt like not wanting to love anyone. Uh, you were hurt. You were broken. And you say you felt alone. Can you just take us inside first uh, where you were during that period and how it sort of served as the unlikely catalyst for everything that follows? Yeah, it's. I look back and it was one of the hardest times in my life. It was a season of really just feeling hurt and broken um, from a bunch of different factors in my life, actually. And really for the first time in my, in my life, I, uh, I, I just didn't want to love anybody. A joy in, in loving people is, is one of probably my very few strong suits that I have. <laughs> I naturally just love people. And I actually, I can remember in high school, I always used to, to, to think, um, I, I would see an older person who was kind of jaded and just a grumpy person. And I, I can remember thinking, at what point in life do you become like that? Like I couldn't even fathom that you'd you'd get older and become this angry, jaded person. And now I'm mm. only 38 years old, and yet now my question has completely changed. Really, um, for me, my question is now: How do you get to be 60 or 70 years old and have a soft heart? Mm. How, how do you get to, How do you get to be 60 or 70 and assume the best about people? How, how do you get to, to 60 or 70 years old and you wake up and you you're excited to meet somebody new to show them the love of Jesus because life just has a way of taking those things out of a person. And I think two years ago, really it kind of came to the to the point in my life 
where I got to that place and I'm like, gosh, I have no ability to love anybody. I want to love my wife and my kids and a very few select friends. And then I just don't want to love anybody else. Mm. And yet, unfortunately, Jesus says that loving God and loving others is the most important thing. It's like, oh, snap. Okay, <laughs> like, All right. I guess we don't get an option to this loving God and loving other, uh, other people thing. And so really began this journey of like, okay, God, I have no ability to love anybody on my own. And so in this area, for the first time really in my life, I need you. I need you. I I need the same power that raised Christ from the dead to live inside of me. And ultimately, that's what gives us the ability to love as Mm. God would want us to love. So yeah, that was definitely, it was so crazy to be writing a book about loving others when I first began the process during a time when I did not want to love others. And yet I, I think for, for a lot of us as humans, we feel that way. It's like, no, I've, I've learned you need to watch out for yourself. I've learned through disappointment that people are going to let you down and they're going to hurt you and they're going to take advantage of you. And, and, and so, so the world has, has a really great way of taking a, our desire to love others out of us. And yet again, Jesus is like, this is the most important thing, loving me and loving other people like I do. It's the most important thing. And so it, he turns things upside down as he always does. Pastor Adam Weber, he leads Embrace Church, authors the brand new book, Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. Coming on August the 25th, you can pre-order now wherever fine books are sold or head to adamweber.com slash book. I believe all that's true. That's all true. <laughs> it felt yeah, good. That, that, that did. That was, every single part of it was true. So the book shares 27 stories of those who opened your heart to loving more fully. Uh, Why don't we begin where you begin and open with chapter one, which itself gets started with a delightful tale. There's a young gentleman who sees you untying your shoes at the trampoline park. Tell us what happened there and how it led you to a quite profound truth about where exactly Jesus can be found. Yeah, so this is like the epic fail moment of every pastor. So there's a, a young fella. He's not so young anymore, but he's still a young fella in our church named Chandler. Just a great kid. And um, we were at this this trampoline park. It was my, my daughter's or my son's birthday party. He was there for uh, someone else's birthday party. So I come in. <clears throat> you have to take your shoes off. So I took my shoes off. And all of a sudden, I saw him staring at me. <laughs> and um, I, they had just started coming. So I, I didn't really know them that well at this point, but he started looking at me and, um, he was trying to get his mom's attention and cause he could tell he was so excited to see me. He knew me who I was. And finally his mom looked up and he said, look, mom, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. <laughs> and it was pointing at me. I'm like, I have totally failed as a pastor. Like what am I, this kid thinks I'm Jesus. <laughs> this, this, what kind of heresy is this church preaching? You know? And so, uh, but, but it, it's true. Like Jesus is, uh, Jesus is everywhere and um, evidence of him is everywhere. And we can see aspects of who Jesus is everywhere. And so he was wrong about me being Jesus. <laughs> and yet we can see elements of who Jesus is all the, all, all over the place around us. And sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes you need to dig past the surface to see evidence of Jesus around you. Cause I know even for people listening right now, it might be like, no, actually my life, I don't see God any place. I don't see Jesus anywhere right now. I'm experiencing hurt and heartache 
and I feel like I feel like Jesus has abandoned me. Like I, I feel like God isn't present in my life, and yet He is in fact there. He's faithful. He's all present. I love the, even the promise that there's no place we can go that He's not already there. You yes. know, it's just in the Psalms. David just reminds us: if I go up here, He's there. If I go down here, He's there. If I am I if I'm over here, over here. Anywhere I go, God sees me. And uh, it's just a wonderful promise and truth to know that Jesus is with us no matter where we're at, no matter what our circumstances are. He, he is, in fact, fact there. Well, as the saying goes, that'll preach on today's edition of On the Road here on Faith Radio. Ryan Thomas with you and Pastor Adam Weber joins us today. Adam is the lead pastor of Embrace Church in South Dakota and Minnesota, multiple campuses multi-site church, and he also authors the brand new book, Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. Uh, You spend a good bit of time in chapter one talking about names, and you say that (laughs) you are like myself. It is very difficult to remember people's names. It is just, I don't know why it is you can remember faces. Oh, I'll never forget a face, but names is. So the significance of this really becomes that Jesus Certainly he knows everything, as we know, but he knows our name. And that's something you take a lot of time talking about. Explain why that's so significant to you. There's something powerful about a person's name. Um, And I've found regardless of who you are, uh, economically, age, sex, race, position, status, whatever it is, there's something powerful about noticing a person's name. It makes a person feel seen and noticed. Um, uh, even, even someone who's got a big name, there's something powerful about like recognizing that they're a human being, like more than like their, their success and their fame and their wealth. It's like, okay, everybody knows that part, but let me tap into that personal side of you that recognizes you're a human being made in the image of, of God. And, and I, I, I'm so thankful that Jesus knows our our, our names. He doesn't look at us and it's just a blur of faces. Instead, it's individual people that he knows by name. And I jump into one of my favorite stories right off the get-go, uh, the story of Zacchaeus. And um, he, here's a person, he's a tax collector. Um, he would have been deeply disliked, borderline hated, or maybe completely hated by his own people. He was a Jew that worked with the foreign government and overtaxed his own people. And so was strongly disliked. Um, it, it, you lost you, when you became a tax collector, you lost the ability to worship um, with your family, you were disowned from your own family in many, many ways. And so they would, wow. have, been, they would have been deeply hated. And so Jesus comes into town and Zacchaeus, this wealthy tax collector, was so curious to, to know more about Jesus and I, I, that he climbed a sycamore tree. We, we maybe grew up singing. You want to sing the song? Oh my gosh. No, I, I can't. You don't want to hear my voice. People will like opt out of this. They'll be like, make it stop. Don't. But you maybe grew up in church singing the, the, the song about the wee little man named Zacchaeus. Um, he's so curious to know Jesus that he climbs up in a tree. And for me, every time I read that story, you have to be pretty desperate to make that. That's kind of a foolish thing to do, specifically as a wealthy man. It's like, you're going to climb a tree. (laughs) And yet he was so curious to know more about this Jesus. We don't know why he was curious to know. Maybe he had heard about the blind man that had been healed right outside of town. Maybe he had heard about Jesus' teachings and how they were different than other teachings. We're not sure what he had been heard, but whatever he heard made him so curious to climb up into a tree. And Jesus walks into this town and the only name we're told that he knows in this, this, this town is the name Zacchaeus. And again, the most hated person in town. 
I, I, I can imagine the crowd being taken aback, uh, almost upset with Jesus. Like, uh, what about my name? Like, what about me? And you're gonna, so he, Zacchaeus comes down out of the tree and, and Jesus says, I'm gonna go to your house today. And so here's this, this man. It's like, again, everybody would have been upset. They would have been grumbling. Like, he knows that guy's name. He's gonna associate with him. Jesus, I don't know if you've known this. You, you must not be a very good religious person, but he's <laughs> actually not even allowed into our, our place of worship. And now you're calling out his name. And, and so that's, that would have been the response of the crowd. But I just think about Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus is probably a man at this point who, who really doesn't want anyone to know his name. You know, he's making his money, but he just kind of wants to fly underneath the radar because people hate him. Sure. And so it's like, I hope nobody knows my name. And now the one person who does is this man named Jesus, again, who had supposedly just healed a man outside of town. And um, I, just, I just think in that moment how loved Zacchaeus must have felt. And maybe for the first time ever, it's like, I'm so glad someone knows my name and someone sees me and I know I'm living a life. My, my own family doesn't want anything to do with me. I know my life is far from God. It's far from, from, from being a religious or whatever you want from me. But he, he just must've been so excited that, that, that his name was known by, by, by Jesus. For our listeners, that's, that, that means two things. First off, it means he knows your name. He knows your name. He knows my name. He knows Ryan's name. Um, and he, he knows more than that. He knows our story. He knows everything about us. It's not just our name. I think our name represents something so much more. It's like, no, I don't just know your name. I know you better than you know yourself. You move on in chapter two to talk about two young gentlemen. One is popular with everyone with a sleek haircut and one with a newly acquired pair of glasses and a strong desire to keep the attention off himself whenever possible. The second young man you reveal is you, and the former is your friend, Jake. This is a guy who meant so much to you, Pastor Adam. You named a chicken after him, sir. What did he teach you about love? Yes, uh, I learned so much from my friend, Jake. And Jake is someone that I still continue to be in contact with today, even though he lives across the country. But what I, what I learned about God and God's love from Jake is love pursues the unpopular. In elementary school, you, you hinted at it. In elementary school, I was at the lowest of society in my class, um, was not the cool kid as uh, each year passed, my classmates got cooler and I somehow looked a little more strange and was a little bit more of an outcast. And so I, again, I was at the low of my class an easy target to be picked on. And Jake, on the other hand, was at the top. I mean, he was, he was just so kind, so fun, good at athletics. He had the coolest fort behind his house to play with. Everybody wanted to be Jake's friend and Jake was a friend to everybody, uh, but I was his best friend and he was my best friend. And it didn't mean, it didn't matter who we were with. It didn't matter how it impacted him and how other people saw him. He was my friend no matter what. Hmm. And he just taught me so much about God's love. Uh, oftentimes when we associate with people who are at the low of society or, or maybe have had a past and they've made some mistakes, a lot of times people try to distance themselves from them. And yet Jake, and more specifically Jesus, he got closer to the person every single time. And he, did, he just showed me what love looks like. Um, love pursues the unpopular. And, and one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Jesus crossing past with, with Levi. Levi is a tax collector. Um, he would have been someone who would have been disowned by his own family, uh, wouldn't have been allowed to worship in the place of worship. 
Jesus crosses paths with him, ends up inviting Levi to come and follow him. And, and, and Levi's so excited that he invites Jesus over to his house. And, and, and he doesn't just invite Jesus over to his house. He invites, we're told in the story, he invites all of his tax collector and sinner buddies to come uh. along with. I mean, I mean, he's so loved by Jesus that he's like, hey, I'm gonna invite all my friends and Jesus comes over to his house. Jesus associates himself with this person who's an unpopular person to be around. And so Jesus comes over to his house and loves Levi, loves his friends. And, and here's the thing that we often forget. Jesus is criticized for doing so. I mean, he goes over to Levi's house and all the religious people start grumbling and mumbling about him. And so it's not always easy to pursue the unpopular. Sometimes it might hurt our reputation. Gosh, you're friends with that guy, <laughs> but didn't that guy do so such and such and so and so? And yeah. you're hanging out with her? Like, I, you know, she's not really a good person. She doesn't follow Jesus. And yet oftentimes that's who Jesus calls us to pursue is those people who are often overlooked or judged or belittled. Uh, Jesus pursues the unpopular. Well, I thought that was a really interesting point, actually. And that's kind of what I gravitated toward as well, because it's one thing to do good works when they are popular to do. Yes. Doing good works when it makes us look better to do those good works. But I was, I was taken with that point. Jesus was not in any way increasing his popularity by doing this. In fact, the popularity that he hit, he was starting to build because of the incredible things that he was doing. In a way, he was endangering that by doing this. He, he, he really was. And, uh, and, and that's, that's part of Jesus that oftentimes we don't want to look at and don't want to, don't want to talk about. And one of the things that I began to, to really think about and pray about in my life is I want to be the type of person, I want to have Jesus inside of me so much that on a person's, on a person's worst day, they, 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 they reach out to me. On a, on a person's worst day, after they've made the biggest mistake, after they've had a great loss, a personal failure or a, a professional failure, I hope I'm the type of person that that person is drawn to. That, gosh, I know that I can reach out to Adam and he won't judge me. He, he won't write me off. Instead, he'll love me right where I am. He won't say that I'm doing what I, whatever I'm doing is okay. He's not gonna say, yeah, that's totally fine when it's not fine, but he is a person that I can trust and, and go to. And, and so I hope that I'm a, that type of person that, that people would reach out to, but I also hope I'm the type of person that pursues those people. When, when someone makes a mistake, when someone makes a moral failure, when someone screws up and make, makes a blunder or someone who's just, just a hard to love type of person, my hope is that when everyone else is walking away from that person, I hope I'm the one person that's swimming upstream towards them. Mm. It's like, gosh, there's a mass exodus in their life. And we know that person. We've had those people in our, in maybe our towns or communities. They've made a big mistake and everybody distanced themselves from them. I hope I'm the one person that swims upstream and is like, I'm still your friend. I'm still here. You made a mistake. I'm not going to debate that. That's clearly a mistake, but I still love you because that's Jesus with flesh. And that's what Jesus does with Levi. Thank you so very much for sharing Faith Radio's On the Road with us today. Ryan Thomas is my name. Pastor Adam Weber is this good man. He leads Embrace Church, multi-site, multi-campus church in South Dakota and Minnesota. His new book is called Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. And it is available for pre-order wherever fine books are sold, as well as at adamweber.com. 
as well, when you go to the website, you could see a photo of Adam in a very classy looking shirt with his glasses on. He looks both <laughs> like he could study with you very studiously and also cut down a tree, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. What a versatile person. Like, That's what I gosh, thought. Gosh, unbelievable. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, I wonder if he's really bald or if he just buzzes his head because he wants to. Who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about listening because you have talked a good bit about application when it comes to how we love well and how we love better. And you've talked about listening. I stumbled across uh, an interview that you did and you were talking about listening well by not listening, just waiting for our next chance to talk, but listening to really listen. Yeah. And it was, it was almost, you did it in a very subtle way, but the meaning of that and the significance of that just kind of erupted at me. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, one of the, one of the most simple ways that we can love a person is just listening to them. And I don't even necessarily, I had this thought this morning, I guess don't even necessarily know that it takes more time. It's just a different mindset. So back to that, that coffee shop this morning that I was at, there was a, a dad that came up to the door. Uh, he was holding his child in a car seat and I just felt like God said, say something to him. So I look over and I said, uh, hey, uh, how, are you, how are you doing today? And he could tell that I, I really meant it because I did. I, like, mm-hmm. I, and he said, just trying to do one thing at a time. And you could just tell he was overwhelmed. Just trying to do one thing at a time. But he, but he knew that I, I saw him. He went in the coffee shop, came out of the coffee shop. There was not a single person sitting out with the chairs. So he could have sat anywhere. He sat as close as he possibly could to me which I just thought was fascinating. He's got a little one that might be fussy. I'm working at a computer. He has no idea who I am. And yet in that moment, I'm like, he felt seen. I I know nothing about his circumstances. I don't know if he's a a single dad or happily married with with the the mother of this child or not. But I know for for me, when we were trying to juggle our little ones, we're still, but we have a a five-year-old. I could remember times where I felt unseen, you know? And even someone like himself, he was a clean cut business looking guy. I just had a moment where I, I and I, I actually turned around before I left because he sat down right as I had to go. And I just said, hey, just just one thing at a time. You're, you're doing great. Mm-hmm. Just be encouraged. Again, he didn't even say that much to me, but I, in that moment, I could tell he just felt seen and he felt heard. Uh, just that moment. So sometimes it's the simplest things and, and really just changing the posture of our heart. Are we, are we just kind of trying to get by somebody or pass somebody? Or are we just taking that moment, that extra moment? It may, again, may not even be a different length of time just to say, hey, how are you, how are you really doing? It sounds so simple. And yet I think it is such an antidote because our culture is so built on not listening in a weird way. You turn on the television in any news channel that you look at, you're going to have two panelists and all they're doing is talking to each other. They don't listen to each other at all. Like it's culturally irrelevant to listen to the other person. Yeah. And I, I honestly think what a great time um, to, to be an ambassador of Christ and maybe more than speaking. Cause like, like you said, people aren't just talking, talking, talking. They're yelling, yelling, yeah. yelling. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, why is that? the other day I was scrolling through Twitter mm-hmm. and I, I joked, I said to Becky, why is everybody yelling at me? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, maybe, maybe during this time, there's, there's times when we need to speak up and absolutely talk about specifically to talk about, about Jesus and who God is. But one of the, what, one of the things that I think would blow people away is, is if we were just really good at listening. 
And at, at a workplace, when everybody's getting on the hot topic of the week on online, when everyone's posting this or that, what if we just got really, really good at listening and even trying to, more than just even listening, trying to understand the other person. It's like, gosh, I'm just trying to understand your perspective. And that's something I find myself a lot of times. I'm like, I just want to know what it's like, like where that's coming from. And a lot of times where a person's coming from is, is uh, their story. I mean, it's pain. That's where it's coming from. It's insecurity. That's where it's coming from. It's fear. Like it's, it's based out of fear. That's where it's coming from. Um, or, or, you know, I'm just always fascinated. And then at the end of the day, it comes down to it again, after everyone's done yelling and we just start listening to each other so often, it's like, we're actually not that far apart. And our, 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 our hope, like what we're after is actually the same thing. We just had a a, a different way of getting there. Mm. And, um, gosh, again, what if we were known as people who listened really, really well? And again, when we spoke, uh, something that uh, chatty me over here is bad at, sometimes I talk too much. And so what if we were known for being people who listened and when, when, when we spoke, gosh, I want to hear what, what she has to say. I want to, I want to hear what he has to say because when he speaks, it means something. Pastor Adam Weber's brand new book, Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. It's coming on August the 25th. It's getting closer and closer. It's getting closer. And you can pre-order now wherever fine books are sold or head to adamweber.com slash book. Brother, thank you so much for being here. What a treat. Oh, it's a blessing. Huge blessing. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. sustains all of my life you are the one that i run to in you i am satisfied oh your mercy is new every morning your grace sustains all of my life you are the one that i run to in you i am satisfied don't hang your head when you get lonely no Thanks so much for listening to On the Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.